Hello, my name is Lori Spadaro and welcome to the MBOE Conversation webinar series. I'm the Director of Admissions and Operations for the MBOE program, as well as a 2016 graduate of the program. Thank you for taking some time out of your day to spend with us. Today's special guest is Ingrid Moore. Ingrid is a Senior Consultant in Lean Automation um, at Fifth Third Bank. She's also a 2019 graduate of the MBOE program. And we also have her coach, Dave Margle, who's also joining us today. Now, every coach, every student in MBOE program is assigned a coach. And so um, we were very fortunate to have Dave with us today. So thank you, Dave and Ingrid, for joining us. Thanks, Lori, for having us. Yeah, thank you. It's my pleasure. Yeah, this will be great. So I've never had a coach on the on the podcast before. So this is this will be interesting to hear your your viewpoint as well. So Ingrid, tell me about so now you've just taken a job at, at Fifth Third. So you worked at Nationwide prior, and that's where you that's the company, the organization organization you worked with when you went through MBOE program. So can you tell us a little bit about your position at Nationwide and what you're doing currently now? I only know it's only been a few days, but it's <laughs> Sure. Um, yeah. So at Nationwide, I actually um, was working within the technology area, and my original goal, role uh, at Nationwide was in IT strategic planning. So they have different groups, and my role happened to be in the category of a business consultant. Uh, that was the role, and the project that became the capstone for the MBOE. Um, was called digital accessibility. And it was a unique um, type of pro project or program because it is something that did not exist before formally. And it is something that nationwide and many companies, many organizations will have to deal with if they haven't started the journey. Um, and it has something to do with making sure that all digital as assets that a company have, especially with dealing with um, public, you know, providing service uh, or kind of under the um, ADA, uh, if you're doing business with public um, and you're under a commercial, basically you have to adhere to what's called web content accessibility guidelines. And there are different versions of these guidelines, but again, the intent of this um, guideline is to ensure that everybody have equal access to digital assets and as you know you know with the pandemic <laughs> that even even becomes more true that you know people are relying more on technology to be able to access websites you know to buy things to order food you know even to get deliveries um, to pay bills right even to conduct meetings right we are literally have to use virtual um, channels and rely on technology so that's basically the foundation of what the project is all about and so now that you've left nationwide um, are they continuing with what you taught them and then are you going to try to incorporate that also at fifth third so with nationwide i think um, what we have learned from mboe and what the whole you know 12 months of working uh, with the capstone project is to create the control plan right how do we sustain the program in place so there are a lot of um, things that we put together that basically one thing is what get measure gets done. I think that's like one of the things that we implement is a visual um, dashboard that basically put different people uh, on the accountability part of, you know, making sure that their asset is continue to meet the, the goal, the goal rate or the metrics that we put together, right? We have a goal of 
for example, um, meeting 90% um, target for compliance, you know, for, and we are using a tool to be able to do that. And so we have a prioritization, we have um, the dashboard, we are holding people accountable. Uh, so we have accountability partners that hopefully my team that I left behind will continue to manage those relationships and continue to sustain, you know, the target goal or even achieve or exceed that, that goals. But I think that what measure, what get measure gets done and really displaying it, you know, at the leadership level and also at the, at the front line folks, right. They're getting, um, their work is being displayed <laughs> and leadership also see, you know, what their business unit are doing. Um, so if it doesn't um, meet their target goal, I think there will be a serious conversation, right. That needs to happen. Like what, what happened? Why do we have more defects? Um, and why are we always, you know, are we kind of getting away from the standard work that is being put in place um, and so forth, so. Well, good, and this is important, just like you said, with the pandemic, everybody had to pivot and adjust and, and they're working in different ways and what media did they have and do they have access to the right thing? So it's, it's, and it's not just nationwide, it's, you know, worldwide, right? So. Um, it's really important. So, Ingrid, before you started MBOE, what experience did you have at Lean and um, Operational Excellence? So, I was working um, and in a project for uh, manufacturing of glass, and that was um, back in 2004. And what we have done is, you know, there was a master black belt in our group, but at the time it was like a foreign concept for me, but I happened to be uh, responsible for kind of the strategic analysis of, you know, like the business, is, does the business model make sense? Because at the time the company went through some merger and acquisition. And so under the direction of the master black belt, um, we have to do the kind of the value stream mapping, right? The, some root cost analysis. And I actually have to uh, assess kind of a big, number of data, mostly about product and sales. Uh, and it was interesting uh, at the time, you know, it was a new concept for me, like how does the Pareto, you know, 80% of the, the revenue comes from 20% uh, of the customers. And, you know, so when I ended up, um, again, learning pieces and part of it, you know, leading workshops to the best that I can, kind of watching what the master black belt were doing. Um, but then, when it comes to, I, I consider MBOE before I joined Nationwide, actually, I have my own business. And with having your own business, you have a very limited amount of, you know, um, budget, right? You don't, you don't have uh, venture capitalists putting money down, you know, I, I rely on my own finances and the small business um, loan. So I had to be creative. And I thought, what can I possibly do if I want to continue my education that can support my business so it has a better operational efficiencies. So I have researched MBOE um, three years before I actually sign up formally. Um, but then, you know, again, I'm thinking, is it going to be good? Is it not going to be good? You know, like, what can I do? There was, the pressure wasn't there until I came to Nationwide and have a very limited budget to make this program successful. Um, so that's when I basically said, you know what, this probably would be the right time to do it. And we have a really use case of something that is very important with very um, small amount of resources. How can we make a sustainable change? So it's very common. I find that, you know, you said, it, you know, you researched it three years prior to, to um, applying and, and coming into the program. I find that happens quite a bit as I talk to just about every single student that, that is in the program. You know, they think about it, they hear about it, 
they dwell on it, they think about it again. And then, you know, they finally something triggers them, whether it's a job or this personal decision to, to do MBOE. So it's not, it's not, it's rarely just I meet someone and they come in. You know, it, that doesn't usually happen. So from what you learned in MBOE, obviously you continue to use the tools, um, the knowledge you gained in your organization. Now you're bringing that with you to, to Fifth Third. And so tell me how that will fit with your new role. Well, I think one thing that I want to point out too, and you know, that's why I bring my partner uh, here, uh, Dave. I was so um, appreciative with the fact that uh, Ohio State kind of pair you with a coach for your journey, because obviously learning something from even a classroom or even a textbook is, is very different than also learning and hearing from someone who's already been involved in the program or doing it right on their day to day. And I think I was very fortunate to have Dave because he was uh, the lean leader for Bose at the time. And I'm a, a crazy fanatic in terms of music and sound. So I'm like, Bose, like really? <laughs> I was super, super excited. And, and it became, uh, I mean, not only I appreciate, you know, the Ohio State have that, but I think the coach that I have was uh, very, I guess, high quality coach. So Dave, you know, I really appreciate your mentorship for me. And I think we, we work beyond just the MBOE. I think after that, I still touch base with Dave and say, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm doing this. Like, what do you think? We all, we became like friends, I guess. And, and kind of, it's a two-way relationship, right? And Dave is working on, on, um, launching a software to really make, um, Lean Six Sigma a little less intimidating. <laughs> and I think I became one of his uh, um, guinea pig or uh, I don't know, is there a better way to, to call what I was doing, Dave, in terms of testing and providing feedback? <laughs> a valued partner is one way to put it. You know, I, but <laughs> one, thing you. I can, one thing I can say about working with Ingri, um, you know, from the, I remember the very first uh, time we met that, you know, we were at the, um, that first day, you know, at, in, in, on campus. And, uh, you know, we, there's that mixer at the end of the day where you get to spend some time and chat with your, uh, the student that you're going to be working with. And um, you, made, you really made such an impression because you had so much energy and so much passion for the project. And um, my first concern was you were so far down the path um, of, of working on this. I said, my gosh, you know, she's started. She's got so much going. Am I going to be able to do anything useful to help you? Um, but it, that fear evaporated very quickly because it turned out to be, um, you know, you, you were very open to um, asking for help, asking for perspective. Um, and, you know, and you said it was a two-way street. I feel like I learned a lot from you about accessibility. You were constantly explaining what it was all about. I learned a tremendous amount through that. And, um, you know, my my recollection over the course of the year, and we can certainly talk about details if you want, but my recollection over the course of the year, my recollection of what I thought over the course of the year was, I had never really worked with somebody who had so much drive and persistence to get this done. Um, you had more than a few obstacles thrown in your way over the course of the year. And, you know, I did my best to support you and give you sort of guidance based on what I could see um, and my visits there. Uh, but boy, you know, you, you know, you powered through so much, uh, you know, so much work through so many obstacles and got so much done. Um, I almost felt, 
I, I almost felt like you should have been my coach at times because you got so much done. It was just so impressive. Um, and it's and and Ingrid's you know saying how you know ever and this was two years ago that you know I I was working with you. We still talk very frequently, and Ingrid's been a tremendous help to me since then. Um, you know, and we you know give each other feedback on ideas we're having, and uh, it's it's been a really uh, you know a really great partnership. I, I'm so grateful I got to work with you during that program because it's it's still going, and I'm really really happy about that. I think that's typically, you know, Dave, thanks for saying that. That's typically what happens. You know, I tell a lot of people when I'm talking to them about, you know, you, you pair with the coach, um, that person's going to end up being your best friend. I mean, you really do. I, I still have a relationship with my coach and that was, you know, five years ago now. So I think that just happens if you have the right coach and we work very hard to, um, to pair the students with somebody that is going to mesh with them. Um, we look at your backgrounds, we look at the industry you're in and things like that. So I guess, Dave, from your, from your perspective, what is it like being a coach in MBOE? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, you know, it's so, it's so fascinating. It's so rewarding because on the one hand, um, you know, my, my background, I spent, uh, as Ingrid mentioned, I was at Bose for a long time and I was one of a number of lean deployment leaders at the company. And we would, I would work with people, you know, in all parts of the company helping them think through the problems that they were facing. And then when I started coaching at Ohio State at the MBOE program, which I think is about five years ago now, um, I was a little worried. I was like, you know, you know, who am I gonna be paired with? What kinds of problems are they gonna be facing? Am I gonna be up to the task of, of helping, helping them think it through? And what I found is, and I don't mean to trivialize because this is not the intent of what I'm about to say, but the problems are all the same everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, the problems I was seeing were uh, in my place of work at that time were exactly the kinds of problems everybody was facing. All the students I worked with in the MBOE program, it was all shades of the same kinds of problems. It was, uh, you know, it, it was, you know, measuring appropriately, or it was uh, coordinating teams to, you know, to focus on the problem. It was understanding processes. It was, you know, being able to you know, quantify what you're going after. It was about change management, all the kinds of problems um, that I, I had been dealing with for years and years and years, they were all the same kinds of problems. So on the, on the one hand, I immediately said, oh, okay, I've been through this before with other folks. But on the other hand, they were from different companies, different perspectives, different backgrounds. And I feel like every person I work with, even though the problem might be similar to a problem I've seen before, I'm still learning. I'm still learning from those people about their industry, about how they view things, about how different companies approach things. It's tremendously rewarding. I, I'm so grateful I get the opportunity to do this. Well, thank you. <laughs> we, we are glad you're here for us as well. I mean, I think that I, ideally that is what we hope for both the student and the coach, right? From learn, learn from each other and have those lasting relationships that you can go back and say, okay, you know, I'm doing this now here's what I, I I'm encountering. What do you think? You know, I think that's helpful. So Ingrid, um, you know, you just started a new job at fifth third this week. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that and how really what MBOA has taught you is helping you kind of move into this new position and, and, and what you're learning so far. Yeah. So the, the opportunity at fifth third is uh, totally different than what I've been doing at Nationwide or what I was you know, responsible for at Nationwide because with the role at uh, Fit Third is totally required the black belt Lean Six Sigma credential. Without it, I wasn't probably going to be considered, uh, you know, to be part of the team. Uh, and it's 
the lean process automation is basically what they're trying to implement across the organization. Um, so what I will be doing and how I would leverage what I learned at MBOE is literally really using all the tools, you know, what I've learned with the Sigma, with more steam, you know, with the engine room and how do I run, you know, the different probably charts and do analytics, you know, on a really large set of data. The one intimidating thing for me, to be honest, is that they're not using the same tool as what we use, you know, when I was at Ohio State. So they are using um, a suite of different tools that some of them I've never even heard of. So I'm like, oh, my. Um, so my my only, you know, I guess um, thing is that, well, if it's supposed to pr produce the same thing, it should just probably be a little bit of different commands, you know, and things like that, getting to know what the UI um, looks like and then learning how to do that. Um, so that's kind of what, what, you know, what I'm, I guess, excited about with the, with the third is I will be able to use what I learned at Ohio State uh, full force, right? Because they want to do the, the make. Um, they want you to actually do all of those leading workshops and influencing the organizations and the different business uh, unit team members on learning what that means to have the same definition, operational definition, right? And understanding the, the make process. Um, you know, we really will deal with like the fist bone, you know, and do a root cause analysis. And so I'm really excited and scared at the same time because I'm like, oh my, you know, this will be a real test of what I have learned in real life application. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty excited and looking forward, obviously, to continue, you know, working with um, Dave to kind of, you know, share some feedback and, and asking questions. Um, to make sure that I'm doing the best job <laughs> leveraging what I learned. So oh, I think you'll be good. I mean, you, you know, you got your black belt and just all that will come back and um, you're really good with people. So I think, I don't think you're going to have any issues. Um, one thing I guess I would ask is what you learned in MBOE, how had that prepared you to lead others, to lead your team and adapt to change, especially all the change that we've seen over the last 15, 16 months? So I think the biggest thing that I learned um, is you you can plan, you know, the PDCA, right? You can plan all you want, but at the end, I think one of the important pieces is the adjust part. And I think that's what happened during this pandemic, right? With leading team that used to be in the physical location into now virtual, um, we constantly have to adjust to the point of one of the uh, program, uh, I guess, target was to, to create a, a learning platform that is scalable. And so what happened during the pandemic is now it's not only it need to be scalable, it also need to reach people virtually. <laughs> um, you know, so we, we, we do the, the adjust um, process. And in fact, before I left, um, I have another new set of group that just learned what leader standard work mean, what is, you know, having um, the operational definition, understanding, you know, that we have to have one understanding, right? If, if my definition is different than others, then um, they're not going to be able to achieve the same goal. And so I continuously using the pig um, exercise that we did in class. So that became one of my standard onboarding with my team. You do the pig exercise. What does your pig look like? And then, you know, giving instruction of, of the, the team members to do to draw a pig. I love that exercise so much. So that's what I was using. And then the other one is the, um, you know, leader centered work is a path to excellence. I think um, that is something that a new concept, I guess, for me, you know, we have our routine and things like that, but 
what does your leader standard work looks like as an individual, as a leader, as a team member, um, and then having that touch point and then the support system and really embracing, you know, people as individual uh, and then supporting them. I think that's kind of my my big thing. Yeah, I I'm, think I'm sorry. Can I jump in with something? I don't mean to interrupt you, Lori. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I, as Ingrid was talking, there's something I wanted to make sure to get into the conversation here um, at some point, and that is, you would. Um, I think your initial question was, you know, around, you know, uh, working with people, and you made a comment about how Ingrid was good with people, and one of the things that was so impressive to me about about the work we did as part of our capstone project. Um, was this sort of embrace of, you know, there's a, there's a concept in Lean about having respect for people and about um, the idea that, um, you know, there's an old saw that, you know, a bad process will beat a good person anytime, right? So you sort of assume positive intent and assume the person doing the work is trying to do the best job they can. And you look at the process to see what's preventing them from achieving whatever the goal might be. And, you know, one of the things that just I was so amazed by was, how Ingrid embraced that in a way that really paid paid dividends. And what I mean by that is not only did she build, you know, Ingrid hasn't said this yet, but she didn't really have a budget for a team. And yet she, she somehow built a team of incredibly loyal people. Um, and she got people all the way across the organization, none of whom reported to her, to embrace this accessibility journey and actually start doing the work. And she had no authority to tell them to do it. So she was able to, through her respect for people and her ability to communicate clearly with people, influence the, the whole organization without positional authority. And that to me is what a black belt can do when they're really unleashed. And that to me was just such a, you know, such an impressive example of embracing that concept, that lean concept of respect for people and influencing that authority because you're, you're teaching them and you're helping them achieve a better result. And if you do that, if you do that in a way that people really believe you're committed to their success, they will follow you. And that's what I saw and that's what happened. Yeah, I think in our program, it's exactly almost what I was gonna say. Um, well, not exactly, but I was going to talk about humble inquiry because we we really focus on humble inquiry and treating people with respect in the program as part of our leadership aspect. So, you know, like you said, Dave, you know, if you treat people with respect let them know that you're really conscious and you want the best for them. You know, they will, if they, you know, if they feel like they're part of something and, and have a say in how things work. I think, I think that's when things turn around, you know, that people are actually happy and they, you know, no one, I believe no one goes to work, not wanting to do a good job, you know, but if they have people in their corner and understand they're part of making a difference and making a change and have a say, I think that that, that helps and, you know, treated with respect. So angry, is very good at that, like you said. So, Ingrid, I think um, as far as MBOE, do you want to talk about a little more in depth of your capstone? Did you want to give us a few more details about what you actually created um, with this? Because I think everybody knows a little bit about it, and I think it was it was more definitely um, when you were going through the program. I hadn't heard about it until you came into the program, and then it was everywhere all of a sudden, you know, and so. Um, and, and now I think people just, this is just a way, you know, a way we work, a way we do things, a way we teach, a way we learn, a way we have media set up and, and web pages and things like that. 
Sure. Um, so my project was around um, the increasing number of lawsuits in the United States for ADA Title III, which is the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines violations, um, with the highest number of cases in California, New York, and Florida. And in a sense, like I mentioned earlier, it's providing equal access to everyone, including those with disabilities, to digital contents, whether it's websites, uh, mobile applications, email, electronic documents, and videos. And again, you know, people weren't very familiar with this concept because I think when you think about ADA accommodation um, and you go to a restaurant, it's very evident in the physical realm. You know, you have to have ramp, you have to have braille, maybe sign, you know, to, to identify which bathroom is for women and which one is for men, you know, um, what kind of, you know, handlebar and things like that to assist people with assistive technology, right, to be able to accommodate, to go into your um, places of, uh, of business so then they can enjoy the type of product and services that you sell. So in the digital space, it's a little bit foreign concept for many, many people. And so that's what this was about. And what we're trying to solve is the, the level of unawareness across the organization because of the many, many people that own digital assets and contribute to publishing these digital assets uh, you know, for nationwide. And so the compliant, the non-compliance or the problem statement that I had was non-compliance to this ADA Title III and Section 508 is basically putting nationwide at the legal and financial risk. So the, the NBOE basically helped me um, really hone in on what is the true problem statement, right? Because before I really tried to boil the oceans and then with this, you know, with the, the A3, even the evolutions of the A3 itself, you know, I keep being pulled into what can we do, you know, like to narrow it down to make it uh, a task that can be, you know, done and, and be solved, right? Because boiling an ocean is, is a great goal, but I think how can we boil the ocean in a manageable way, <laughs> a little at a time. So, so then we focusing on, um, originally I was focusing on enhancing like about over a hundred websites uh, to conform and then and then at the end of the day, the mini A3 was basically what we, we've tackled first, which was the biggest uh, problem is PDF documents. So I'm sitting in the technology or the IT area within Nationwide, and we have no control over PDF documents that are being published on the websites that we're responsible for. So we're seeing, you know, the big issue here was tracking down who owns this this digital document creation, right? Who who responsible for that? And what are the, the root costs of that being inaccessible? So we find those root costs, we did the root cost analysis, and then we start figuring out what's the countermeasure for, for that. So that's basically what we were doing um, in the capstone. And there are other, you know, the bigger A3 obviously um, is to really tackle, you know, the bigger issues here with the websites. And but I guess I have a couple A3s that we were solving, you know, for, for this particular um, project. So at the end, basically we identify a standard um, processes as a standard work to handle the PDF publications. Uh, and then the countermeasures that we have for those was, you know, building awareness, creating training, creating job aids, creating even standard communication uh, for the team that received the PDF for publications on how do they handle um, when they receive something that is not accessible, they were provided the tools on how to test it. And then they are provided a generic communication reply. So then they are not in the hot seat of, you know, rejecting, you know, all of this work to be published. 
Um, and so we provided different training in job eight um, and then basically train them. This is your standard work when you're handling this. Um, and then, you know, the other uh, problem that we encountered or the root of some of these problems is a lot of time the product, you know, the, the documents are built by external vendors. So it's not within nationwide control because our creators weren't the one that produced those documents. So in doing that, you know, going back again to the root cost analysis is the vendors. So then we, we go back a few steps and say, okay, what can we do? So then we can solve for this and prevent this moving forward. Um, and so what happened was I ended up working with the procurement team and we identify key vendors, but then we also go back to what can we do to prevent this from, from happening? So we ended up having to create um, a process and a risk and a gate check to, to identify vendors that are delivering digital solution for nationwide. And then within that check gate check, you know, there is a basically a workflow that ended up getting kicked off to our team um, to be able to manage those risks and do the assessment. And then out of that workflow, you know, we have a formal process that actually get implemented October of last year. So some of the things that we're doing um, in 2019 for MBOE, we tackled the mini A3, but then the bigger A3, you know, the other problems that we're trying to solve continues to, to evolve and continue to get solved and continue to be in the control phase, right? And just, uh, that's kind of where we are when I was leaving. Basically, we are iterating the risk questionnaires that the procurement team has to do to make it simpler. Because as we kind of go through it, right, we do the PDCA, like what do we need to adjust to make it smoother, make it easier for the doer to continue sustaining that process. And so, so yeah, so basically that's what we did. And then again, you know, what get measured gets done and, you know, what, and then showing that every single month, we, we were able to segregate on official, you know, monthly dashboard which one is the defect that is produced by the IT team and which one is the defect that are produced by the content team and who are responsible for that? And are they meeting the baseline target of 90% compliance rate, for example? If it dips, you know, we're trying to figure out what, what happened. Why does it dip? You know, did people need to get more training or do we need to, do we have more, you know, new people coming in? So that's kind of, we continuously using um, what I, Basically, I put together during MBOE and we continue carrying it on and adjusting uh, to make it even more efficient, you know, through time. So. So what did you so how how were the vendors? Um, what were their reaction to to all of this and having to comply, um, you know, with the standards that Nationwide was was sharing with them? Kicking and screaming. <laughs> um, a lot of them were uh, also new to the concept. So what we did was um, we understand that there will be some pushback. So nationwide and actually, um, I basically have this idea that, hey, if we're expecting people to, to be on the journey, we need to make it easy for them to be part of the journey. So what I did was, again, fear of non-sustainable you know, process, I basically work with my team and we do a brain dump basically, and we create something called Digital Accessibility Center of Excellence. And it's actually one of the first one in, in the industry, uh, especially in the insurance and financial services. We're the first company that published the Center of Excellence publicly, not kind of hiding it just for us to use, but because we, we are relying on so many different business partners and vendors to make sure that our stuff is compliant, 
we need to make it easy for them to access this information. Because again, we don't have the bandwidth to train these people over and over again, you know, in, in person or even virtually. So we basically publish a tons of information, job aid, you know, what kind of training they can get through LinkedIn Learning or Pluralsight. Anything that you can think of for the different roles that our vendors play in, we publish it out there. And the goal is so that they can be part of this journey and, and, and follow nationwide standard without us having, you know, to physically be hand-holding them. Mm-hmm. So we published our standards and we got quite a lot of kudos and recognition from our peer in the industry because they said, wow, <laughs> you guys you know, did something incredible because we're sharing our knowledge. And again, the work with digital accessibility is really for the greater good, right? We're trying to increase access for everyone. Um, we're trying to be more inclusive. So what better way for us to provide this information so that other people can learn from us and, and hopefully try to um, be more efficient, right? Not kind of fall through the mistakes. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that what we share is helping people to speed up their process because it will benefit everybody. Um, yeah, so what, what about, I'm sorry, Ingrid, go ahead. No, go ahead, Dave. Oh, no, I don't mean to interrupt. I, I, I just, one thing I wanted to add was, um, I, I remember when you showed me this portal that you created, um, this sort of public facing portal about accessibility and you were, your team had worked on it and it was a, it was something you and the team were obviously very proud of, but it just makes me think about um, during the, and I'm looking, as we're, you're talking, I'm looking at my notes from our calls over the course of the year, because I always wanted to keep notes. So I sort of remember call to call what we were working on. And I, I'm coming across all of these conversations where you, you were, you know, one of the things in MBOE is we sort of track um, a student in the program. Are they operating as an individual contributor? Are they starting to help their team learn? Are they starting to influence the broader organization as they sort of become more capable with, with what they're learning in the in, in MBOE? And one of the things that was so amazing about working with you was you went beyond influencing your organization. You were becoming literally a thought leader in the industry. Um, you were you put on conferences that were attended by other companies. You presented to the state of California. Um, I mean, it was just so thrilling to watch your uh, extension beyond your, your, you know, when I started working with you, you were just working with a small team of people. By the end of the time, a bit, by the end of that year, you weren't just getting VPs involved in participating in conferences and explaining the importance of accessibility. You were literally a thought leader and being asked to, by other companies to come explain things to them. And that, that was thrilling to see. Thank you, Dave. It was fun. <laughs> well, you did it yourself. I mean, it was really your accomplishment. So, um, to, to, to close out a little bit. So what would you say is one specific or foundational concept that you learned by going through the MBOE program? I think uh, the, the one thing, you know, the biggest learning thing is it's a really systematic way on problem solving because we have the different tools and methodology. Um, but it also, the biggest learning here to me is that you know, getting people aligned, right? Marching in the same direction. Um, That's why I think the conversation of the definition, what is the definition of success? Because if my definition of success is different than my leaders versus also the frontline, we're all going to be all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that was to me like the biggest thing, Um, you know, having a system in place and different ways to, to put the problem solving into real 
data-driven, right, decision-making process. Um, but I think I really love the fact that we have we have learned the, the the art of, like you said, the humble inquiry and really finding out from the front of the line. You know, so when I'm hearing people saying we're going to do a lean project and we're just going to look at data, I'm like, wait a minute. When does the gemba happening? You know, when is when is the talking to the doer is happening? You know, because I think, um, and and I think the other part of it is the the creative uh, innovation part. I think in MBOE when when I was in there, I know there are so many different um, gemba that we did. You know, with with the different uh, organization, that was very impressive. And obviously, you know, people are trying to be efficient, right? We're trying to be an operational excellent uh, organization. And it, it inspired me to continuously looking forward, like with, with the one last project thing that is related or be kind of, I guess, motivated by MBOE was I have such a small group of people, like Dave was mentioning, and a lot of my resources are borrowed resources because I was able to, um, to influence other leaders to basically sympathize or have empathy that how important this initiative is, but we are having a little bit of lack of resource, right, as an issue. So I was thinking, how can we be creative and, and pivot and, and be successful? So we, we are actually the first group within Nationwide that also built a bot. Uh, it's called Alibot. It's an ADA bot that basically, again, with, we put in all the brain power of my team members. We put it in the bot in their knowledge base and make the bot integrate with Teams, Microsoft Teams and also make the bot available through our internal, internal website so that anybody in the company who wants to learn about accessibility can ask the bot as a starting point. And then the bot also can connect with our team to chat. So then if they do have more technical question or need additional hands-on you know, like help, um, they're able to get to us. So again, I keep thinking and felt like I'm being challenged to always looking at the bigger pictures. Um, and again, you know, MBOE kind of help me push my, I guess, my thinking about how can we be innovative? How can we be very, how can we be very efficient uh, in solving a problem? Yeah, that's awesome. So Ingrid, what advice would you give somebody um, if they're thinking, you know, okay, I know about MBOE, I'm not sure if I should do it. What's it really mean? What's the year going to look like? What, what advice would you give them? So my decision point with MBOE is that, you know, I always like problem solving and I think everybody, you know, anywhere uh, always looking for a, a better way to do things, right? Because I think we want to work smarter. Mm-hmm. And the key decision, I guess, point for me with MBOE is that uh, knowing OPEX, you know, knowing some of these tools is really um allowing me, there is no border, right? With with MBOE, the things that you learn here is cross vertical and cross horizontal. You can apply in supply chain, you can apply in financial services, healthcare, uh, education, public sector. So there is like a big, huge opportunity to apply this multiple, you know, industry and multiple um, uh, practices. So I felt like that was the reason why I go for it, because even if I still have my brick and mortars, I can apply what I learned with the Lean Six Sigma, if I, you know, jump into Fifth Third, it applies in banking. We want to make things more efficient, you know, in the insurance, same thing. So again, this to me is a little bit more appealing and have a lot more value than just getting my MBA. Sorry, MBA folks, uh, nothing to, you know, not to down you guys, but I felt like MBOE is just a, a more niche, but, you know, give us so much opportunity uh, to, to add value. That's kind of why I choose MBOE. Yeah, I think the the MBA or the MBA programs, it's um 
more rounded, but you're right. MBOE is more of a niche, but it could be used in any industry as well. So Dave, yep. do you have any, anything you'd like to add to that before we end? Uh, well, I'm, I'm not sure I have much to add to what Ingrid said about um, uh, people who are considering the, the MBOE program. I think she said it better than I could, but uh, you know, one, one thing I can say from you know all the students I've worked with over the years is that none of them um, has ever failed to uh, find the program useful in their career in some way, shape, or form. You know, whether, regardless of what industry they were in, they were always able to apply what they learned, and they were always able to use it to help boost their career. So, um, I think Ingrid's probably the, the shining example of the person I've worked with who's done that to the greatest degree. But um, you know, everyone I've ever worked with has found that what they learned in the program was undoubtedly helping them in some way, shape, or form, no matter what industry they were in. Thank you. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. And I see it all the time. I mean, our, our, it's amazing what our, our alumni have accomplished and just um, have gone off to do. And, and it's, it's amazing after MBUE. So um, Ingrid and Dave, I appreciate you taking your time to talk with me today. And, you know, we will share this. And um, Ingrid, if any, if I have anyone that's interested in speaking with you, um, you know, I will, I'll share your contact information. If that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lori, for the opportunity. Thank you. For more information on the Master of Business Operational Excellence Program, visit fisher.osu.edu backslash MBOE.